Boom, put boom, boom, A side, B side, what side are you on? All right, welcome back to another A side, B side podcast. What's going on, Adam? Not too much, Brooke. How are you? Good. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm Adam. That's Brooke. Wait, no, I'm Brooke. That's Adam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I do not want to try to fill the Brooke role. <laughs> there's there's a lot more responsibility and technical know-how that comes with being Brooke than there is come with being Adam. So I will I will take my little Adam box and stay in that. I, I'd like to be Adam for the week and just kind of chill out. Like take yeah. the, I'd like to take the week off and let you do all the editing and stuff. Can we do yeah. that? Can we switch? We, we, we could totally try that. And I look forward to posting this new episode sometime in February. <laughs> <laughs> we could just like switch back next week and then we'll just have episode 20 be like the lost episode that like isn't quite finished yet but every week i'm like no no no, i'm really close it's just like almost almost there just like give me another week it's like sometime in february yeah they're like everyone's like why did episode 20 come out like two weeks two months later than everything else it's like well you know there were some issues with editing or the editor oh my goodness um so this week of course we know most places back in shutdowns and shutdown mode which you know i know it sucks don't get me wrong it's awful i'm so over this i'm ready for coronavirus to be gone but as an introvert i'm also like i mean i'm chilling <laughs> fair <laughs> uh yeah it's uh i know we we've talked a little bit i know that uh every state is different and mm -hmm. where you are uh, is a little bit different than from where i'm at uh minnesota recently shut everything down again, uh, which meant that my day-to-day -day schedule has changed a lot. Uh, I can no longer do PA announcing for football because that's for high school football because that season has been ended. Mm -hmm. I cannot do PA announcing for basketball because that season has been postponed. Uh, I cannot work and I haven't worked any live sporting events for the Gophers or the Saints or any of our local teams because nobody's there. And the restaurant industry has been changed as well. So it has been a week of upheaval. Uh, all this happened in Minnesota last uh, Friday night is when everything changed. So I got to do one last football game last week. Uh, it was in a stadium with, I think, about 50 parents in attendance for like on each side of the, the field. Mm -hmm. uh, and what they did to, to like do to enforce the social distancing is basically the same thing you see on like fences and park benches or like businesses where they don't want pigeons to congregate. Mm -hmm. They put all these big like spiky, like, it wasn't really spiky thing. They were, they're were plastic, but they were positioned on the benches so you couldn't sit down. So imagine like big triangles that are like 10 feet long that are spacing everybody apart. So it was actually kind of brilliant how they did it because you're outside, you're spaced apart, uh, everyone's still trying to yell, so you need extra space. So I thought that was pretty clever, but I did the irony of us using the same tactics against people that we use against, you know, birds, so they don't, you know, poop all over the fence or squirrels or anything like that was, was kind of interesting. So <laughs> there's been a lot of upheaval in Minnesota. We are not doing any sort of dining in person. You can pick up stuff uh, curbside. Uh, and it's been, we are definitely feeling kind of twilight zone because it's very much back to where we were three months ago last in the spring, uh, yeah. back to the point where like there are people who will drive up and I totally understand it. Everyone has their own, their own 
safeguards and things, but there were folks that will drive up and just pop their trunk. And then you put the bag of food in the trunk and like wave to them through the glass and then they drive off. So I'm missing a lot of the human interaction Mm -hmm. that I had before. Uh, So I have done what I normally do and have sought out a lot of media and connection through that, or at least some good feelings. So with all of the seeming gray that comes with pandemic and there's a lot of stress and a lot of people are, you know, understandably dealing with changes to their lives, to their income, to their health. There's a lot of adjustment. So as I was adjusting over the last week. Don't you was, dare jump into the A side yet. Oh, I was just about to. Don't I was you like, do it. I was like two steps from a cannonball, but okay. <laughs> but this is like, I know I, I have just, to watch you. <laughs> just, just imagine like this. <laughs> Adam, like little Adam, running towards the pool as a kid. And then like one step before I'm about to throw my knee in the air and I'm going to like tuck and do the cannonball. There's just this voice that comes from back. Don't do it. I'm like (laughs) skidding to a stop. In reality, I would probably skid directly into the pool and face plant. But luckily, I am much more dexterous uh, when it's just my voice. (laughs) All right, before we do that, a couple of things. Want to say hi uh, in Mexico. Thank you for joining us. This is so awesome. I'm just so excited. Also in the UK, Sylvester, Georgia, Boston, Massachusetts. What's up, Bean Town? I'm hoping, hope upon hope, that when I see Boston come up, that is actually Chris Evans. Chris, you can DM me anytime. DMs yeah. always open for you. And I mean, my oldest was born in Boston. So, you know, we got a lot to talk about, Chris, if you want to hang out, you know, <laughs> I, I do not even believe that Manhattan clam chowder is a thing. That is just a made up thing. It's not real. I won't even make fun of Park and like the car in Harvard Yard or anything like that. Well, the funny thing is, because you can't really park a car in Harvard Yard. It's, I mean, you could, it's a grassy area. I mean, you could. It's it probably not, not yeah. the good thing to do, but you no. could. You're going to get in some real trouble. You know, Harvard Square is actually where I first had Guinness ice cream, and it was amazing. Oh, interesting. And I'm not a big ice cream guy, but I think it was just because it was made with beer, and I was like, I like one of those things. Mm -hmm. Also, hey, over in Overland Park, Kansas, and Brandon, Mississippi, and Ogden, Utah, thank you so much for joining us over here at A-Side, B-Side podcast. Some things I've been watching this week, because you know I like to always update you. I got another recommendation from our buddy Ella on Instagram. I finished off last week, I finished Carmel, who killed Maria Marta, wildly insane. And I think this one is even more insane. It's who killed little Gregory. And it happens in France. It's the Villemont family. And four-year-old little Gregory is abducted and murdered. And they're trying to figure out who is the killer. It is the most insane, intense, every episode, there's some twist, some turn. And it's, it's like, this can't be real life. This has to be a movie, but it is in fact real life. And it's, it's, that's just how sensational it is. It's just like wild. Like, so it that's, is like days of our lives in the nineties wild. Like who's going to get possessed? Minus the possession and add more okay. murder. More murder. That's yeah. fair. 
<laughs> That's on Netflix. Also, HBO Max, The Undoing with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant is really good. It's like, I was like really skeptical at first. And then I started watching it and I was like, okay, this is good. I didn't even realize Hugh Grant was in that. I saw, I've seen the, uh, the promos because I follow Nicole Kidman on Instagram because the 90s. Uh-huh. And I've seen some of the promos. I had no idea he was in it. Oh yeah, he's the he's like uh, her husband, so he's the hmm. lead male, and it's it's really good. It's it, it's a, a twisty turny plot ride for you. Also, I just started Don't F with Cats on Netflix, which I've been hearing about for months, and I was yeah. like, I'm I'm not I don't I want to watch it, but I don't want to watch it because I'm hearing that it's you know there's these videos and and holy look I just holy mm, I'm really trying not to cuss, but holy. Sh- I said it. Mm. It's okay. I barely heard it. You okay. were like whispering. Okay. It's just because I've got like bat hearing. So I heard it. When they say don't F with cats, this is like mind blowing. Okay. You, Adam, you know how much I love true crime and how many stories I've researched and read and watched. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I am still completely blown away by this. And- it is it's it's it there's parts of it that are really hard to get through well it isn't part of it too like people rising up and being like we're we're like almost the internet sleuthing type of deal yes but when yeah. you first of all of course the title don't f with cats that's like the internet rule yeah and of course so some videos uh, come out some things happen to cats i'm not going to tell you what and mm. so the internet is like you don't f with cats we're coming for you and it just spirals completely in a way you don't see coming mm. i mean and it's like there's times where i was just saying to myself holy beep i mean like repeatedly repeatedly and i am there's three episodes and i've watched the first two and wow it yeah it's it's a definite put on your list for you, maybe not so much, Adam. For everybody else, yes. I mean, I'm a dog person now, but I've, I've had cats. Cats are cool. I wouldn't. I used watch to have it a cat there's... that would bark because it oh. was raising a pound, so it wouldn't. Yeah, it would just be like. Rah. Interesting. Rah. Also played fetch. Huh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> for the lighter side of things, I haven't watched it yet. It's on my list to watch. You know, Dolly Parton, who is little angel on earth. Mm-hmm. I just released her holiday. Uh, Dolly's Holiday on the Square. So that's on Netflix. So if you need a little palate cleanser, of course you can do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I am a big fan of those. Puzzles. Have you seen the new puzzles, Adam? Yeah, on our website, I have. Yeah, they're perfect stocking stuffers. You got puzzles, we've got ornaments. We've actually got stockings that you can put the ornaments and the puzzles and the mugs in. So you can check that out. That's like a one-stop shop. Like, let's be honest, it's, it's Black Friday. Today right. is Black Friday. Mm-hmm. So why not do all of your shopping on our website and just buy a bunch of stuff? Seriously, why not? You know you're going to be on the internet anyway. Like the credit card is going to be smoking from how much shopping is going to get done on Friday. We got cute stuff. I'm just, I yeah. mean, I know I'm biased because, you know, I designed it and stuff, but yeah. I think it's really cute. <laughs> you know, and like support small business. Like, I don't even think we're actually a business, but. There you go. Well, we got business, but I don't know. if. <sighs> That was, that was so bad. But log on asidebsidepodcast.square.site. Who's your housekeeper? What you keep in your house? 
Oh my gosh. All right. So you, this is our big 20. This is our big 2-0. It is. I am, Adam, we've got 20 episodes now. Yeah, this is uh, officially my third longest relationship. Officially your third. Oh, we got goals then. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's not a mountain that's that high. <laughs> All right. So of course, like we do on the evens, on the even weeks, it's your turn to start. You get to start next. As it is an even numbered episode, I get to start. And normally that freaks me the bleep out uh, because I much like letting Brooke go first and then I kind of like ease into it and then I can just kind of be the the happy palate cleanser at the end uh, about something that doesn't involve murder or scary stuff or usually cats. <laughs> uh, but over the last week, there has been, as I think I mentioned when I was just about to start the A-side without any sort of warning like I normally do. The last week, it's been it's been extra dark. Things have changed. People are getting locked up in terms of lockdowns and, and safety precautions, which I don't know what else we can do because we can't figure out how to stop this thing. So we got to do what we know stops it. And that is isolation. Uh, so for isolation, I am given a lot of extra free time. And my dog can only go on so many walks. And it is only like 25 degrees outside. So those walks cannot be nearly as long or as adventurous as they were. So I've got a little bit more time on my hands. And I have decided to kind of try to find things that are a little bit more on the uplifting and lighter side. And so I did an internet search of shows to stream that will put you in a better mood uh, because that was definitely needed uh, and probably for me will be needed a lot. You know that, Brooke, sometimes when I allow myself to get down, I can keep staying down very easily. So mm -hmm. I got to figure out ways to lighten the mood and give myself a little bit of a smile or a laugh. And one of the shows that was recommended to me both by a friend and by the internet when I was searching was a show on Apple Plus. And I didn't even realize I had Apple TV Plus, which we just file that under like all the things Adam doesn't realize he's subscribed to. Right. But uh, I recently upgraded my iPad so I could actually have backgrounds on Zoom meetings, which everything in that sentence feels weird. Uh, but that was a thing I needed to do. So that's I, the most 2020 sentence probably ever. Yeah. It, only if it would have ended with, and then my house lit on fire for no apparent reason. <laughs> that would be the most 2020. I think. But because of that, I evidently got a free year of Apple TV plus. So I was like, shoot, I will start looking to see what might be on there. And as I was doing that, I was also looking for something uplifting. And I stumbled upon a show that I had completely written off and didn't want anything to do with, didn't even want to give a chance. And in fact, when I first started the first episode, I got about four minutes in and I turned it off and went looking for something else. And I did one of those, Brooke, you know how it is when you like, don't really know what you want to watch, but you'll know it when you see it. Mm -hmm. And then you just end up scrolling for like an hour bouncing from like Netflix to Amazon Prime to Apple Hulu, TV Plus to, to Hulu. Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus, you know, every once in a while just being like, hey, I've got YouTube TV. So evidently they have a new HBO Max like preview for this week, which I guess I'm paying for in two places now. It's very confusing. And I'm checking So they're that just on. robbing you blind then. Well, I think it's a free preview, but I can get it on like two different 
like two different stations. So I don't, you know, my setup, I've got two TVs in my living room, used to have three, but I downsized my living room. So I can't, can't, don't have the space for three TVs thinking about it though. I just think I just need like a telescopic TV type of thing, but I could watch HBO max on two different TVs at the same time. So that, you could watch The Undoing and you could watch Murder on Middle Beach. Absolutely. Everything's going to be in, in, in subtitles because I live in an apartment building now and I'm paranoid about being loud. So I tend to watch everything with like the sound just like enough that you can mostly hear it, but then have the subtitles on mm-hmm. because then I like obviously know what they're saying. Uh, I also had the... I love subtitles, r- by the way. Really silly idea. Well, I love when subtitles like you're the volumes on enough you can hear that he didn't say that but like the subtitle guy was like okay he said this and i was like mm, <laughs> right <laughs> right i don't i don't think you're right there but that's netflix okay. like, is terrible sometimes you're oh. like that's not even what they said netflix yeah no but, but sometimes it feels like so this is not really gonna tie in but kind of ties in with today's a side is that one of my favorite baseball movies of all time is mr baseball with tom Selleck where mm-hmm. he is a aging baseball player, plays for the Yankees, loses his job and then gets sold to Japan. And then he has, you know, the classic fish out of water scenario and how do you adjust and how do we all learn about each other? But his translator for like most of the movie, he will say stuff and his translator will just make every, like make something up completely because he's like, you're not like, what he said was not going to go over well. So the translator just changes it. Like, <laughs> okay, here's how I'll rephrase that. And uh, sometimes that feels like what, the uh, closed captioning is doing. They're like, uh, we'll just say he said nope. <laughs> I was like, uh, he didn't just say nope. There was a little <laughs> bit more to it. So the show that I found and have binge watched over the last over this weekend was a show on Disney TV Plus called Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is the story of a character played by Justin Sudeikis or Jason Sudeikis. Sorry, not Justin. It's probably his cousin, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, who is an American football coach who ends up coaching a team in the Premier League, uh, sort of in a major league style where the owner really wants the team to do horribly so that they bring in the worst coach possible. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw the promos, I was like, mm, no, I know this character. Because back in 2013, when NBC Sports first got the Premier League package and they were starting to show Premier League games on Saturdays and Sundays and sometimes throughout the week, on their NBC sports station, they did a series of sketches where this American football coach suddenly takes over a soccer team and doesn't know what he's doing. And it was one of the strangest promotional campaigns I have ever seen. It's like the people at NBC sports thought no one in America knew anything about soccer or would be excited about soccer. So we have to make it weird by trying to make it about football coaches who don't understand soccer. It was one of those things where you're like, it's almost to the level of like, oops, we picked the wrong four seasons for this press conference, but we're never going to admit that we did that. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to make it look good. And it was just very weird and insulting to any American soccer fans. So I was like, no, I hate this character. He's a buffoon. And like the only way Premier League or the NBC Sports could promote the Premier League was to try to make it about American football and how Americans don't know anything about soccer. That was very annoying. So immediately I saw the trailers. I'm like, no. I can't believe they made a series out of this. What, seven years later after this failed promo did not go as well as they thought it was going to go? And like I said, I read the reviews that said it's you know way more uplifting than you expected. It's 
funny. It's a bright shining light in a dark sort of current culture of things being really down and depressing and not having any hope. And so I was like, okay, fine. I will start it. Four minutes in, turned it off. An hour of searching around. I got guilty and I went back and I binge watch half of the season in that first step. Because more than anything, it's a story about people and relationships. It Sudeikis even described it as the office meets Friday night lights, which is two very, like two very disparate things. Mm-hmm. And it's a sports show, but it's really not about sports. Uh, it is pretty much about a person who is going through a really hard time in their life, but is put in a really tough situation and somehow keeps trying to make the best of it. And that sort of feeling uh, really hit home because I feel like myself, and I, Brooke, I've told you this, it, I don't know sometimes what the right thing to do is within the middle of a pandemic and nobody does. Everybody's kind of just trying to figure it out. And so the idea of this American football coach, and so the, the character Ted Lasso was the head football coach at Wichita State in Kansas uh, and uses his you know, motivational techniques to get the team to its first championship in his first year there. And then the owner of the AFC Richmond, the Premier League team, got the team in the divorce with her husband, who, and you'll love this book, Uh, is played by Anthony Head from Buffy. Yes, Giles. Yes, in an entirely different role. It's actually kind of, you can tell he's having a lot of fun with it, playing something so different from maybe his most famous type of role or some of the roles that he gets. So even just for that, he's only in about three or four episodes, but I knew you would would like that because Mm -hmm. it was kind of fun to see him. He's one of the only people that other than Jason Sudeikis that I've recognized in the entire show. Uh, it is a lot of unknown actors, so it's really easy to let them be in their roles. And so Ted Lasso gets hired by the owner of the team who got the team in the divorce. And she has the express desire of running the team into the ground because she knows that it's the one thing that will hurt her ex-husband the most. Mm-hmm. And she's played by uh, Hannah Waddington. Uh, is it Waddington? I'm sorry. I'm going to double check because I'm so bad at Waddingham. Totally different. Uh, she plays the owner of the team. And, and first you're like, okay, this is just like a recast of Major League where the owner wants the team to go down. So she hires a bunch of people that have no business being in the Major Leagues and she's going to make money off of them when they go down. Uh, but the character is a lot more dynamic. And one of the more interesting things about the show is that, yeah, it's a show about a male soccer team in England with a lead actor who is a male. But two of the three main characters, really, in my opinion, and in Apple TV Plus's opinion, because it doesn't even show bios for like half the cast, are female characters. And they're both really strong, dynamic characters. And uh, Hannah Waddington plays the owner. uh, And she is exceptional with that sort of dry British wit. And I'm like, why is she so good at deadpan? And like these one-off comments turns out she was in the original spam a lot on on the in the west end in london so she understands dry humor and one-liners and even some physical comedy and it's kind of brilliant there is also an a character which is played by juno temple who is called keely she is sort of this 
one of her great lines from the show is i'm sort of famous for being almost famous Mm -hmm. uh she's a model actress sort of thing and she's you know at first you think she's going to be this character that really doesn't do a whole lot in the show but turns out to be one of the main driving actions and the thing about the show is yeah it's about sports kind of but it's more about people and it is this character of ted lasso who is just at first buffooningly optimistic and happy and charming and you like everybody hates him and by the end or as the show goes he grows on everybody and honestly that's the story of the show for me as well the show starts off a little slow you think it's going to be a one-trick pony it's going to be this american buffoon and then it turns into having so much more depth than you ever would have expected the critical response has been huge uh, in fact, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a approval rating of 98% with Holy an average cow, rating. that's yeah. pretty good. I'm sorry, 89%. I was reading oh, that backwards. Okay. 89%. Still really Still good, good. But I totally undersold it when I said 98%. 89%, which is pretty good. Still good. Uh, they call it warm and winsome, if not particularly hilarious. Ted Lasso flashes out its promo premise with unrelenting optimism and a charming turn from Jason Sudeikis. And he is charming, but he also, there's a way, there's more depth to the character than you would ex- would expect. The things that he goes through and the way he reacts to certain situations. And uh, it's certainly not just this, you know, American buffoon stumbling through and somehow turning, you know, turning out. You understand throughout the series, some of the reasons for his optimism and why his attitude and what he does and, like I said, the entire show grew on me as I watched it to the point where I was very happy to find out that there is like five days after the first episode, they renewed it for season two. And then wow. five days, like a few days after the like final episode aired, they renewed it for season three. Wow! <laughs> so it's got two more seasons coming. As I dug into it, I found out that one of the characters uh, who is played by Brett Goldstein, his name is... Uh, Roy, but it is Roy Kent. But if you are a fan of English soccer at all, he is a carbon copy of one of the great grumpy soccer players of all time named Roy Keane uh, and near the end of his career. So if, if you like even they even kind of look alike. So this guy plays like a grumpy older soccer player who doesn't, you know, doesn't take no guff and yada yada, angry at everybody and former title winner and was like a big deal at one point turns out that the guy playing him who basically plays just like this grumpy gruff like does like he's the straight man for a lot of every like he sets up everybody else's jokes mostly Mm -hmm. is the writer of the entire show see and that's how it should be because he lets the other people get the spotlight yeah, I mean, he does a great job in the character, but he he rarely gets any of the punchlines. It's usually set up by somebody else, and he sets somebody up. So he's talked about how they're already writing the second one. Uh, should be filming here in the near, near future. It was charming, delightful, and exactly what I needed in this weirdest, latest, weirdest week of the year where things have changed and there's a lot of stress and upset. Uh, so... I highly recommend if you are a fan of smiling or stories that are about people more so than they are about situations, definitely check out Ted Lasso. And as I like to do, there was a mental 
offshoot of this, as I started to think about coaches and movies, I figured I would end the A-side as I have done before with a top five. Okay. Because once you start thinking about like fictional movie coaches, you go to like, that is, that is a, I was literally watching like speeches by fictional movie coaches on YouTube for like an hour and a half this morning. So I was very pumped to go to work. I was like ready to like run through a brick wall. Uh, so that. I'm glad you didn't. I did. No, uh, that would, that would end. I know that the hospitals are overworked already. They don't need, hey, where do we put this guy who ran into a brick wall? Uh, I don't think I'm going to the top of the ICU list. No. So to sh- to close out this uh, week's episode of the A-side, I have the official Adam rankings or the A-side rankings of the top five fictional coaches in movies. Are you ready? Okay. All right. So coming in at number five, played by the great... Walther Matthau in the 1976 film, The Bad News Bears, Coach Buttermaker. Granted, most of the things that he does in that movie would get him arrested today. Almost probably should have got him arrested in 1976. But he takes a ragtag bunch of miscreants and learns something from them and turns them into a team. And even though they may not be the best ever, uh, we all learn to love them and they succeed. It also was groundbreaking in a time that Channing or uh, Tatum O'Neill, not Channing Tatum, Tatum O'Neill plays a girl on a boys baseball team back in the seventies. That was kind of a big oh, deal. Yeah. Uh, number four on the list of the A-side top five fictional coaches is the coach Tony Diamato from any given Sunday. I mentioned that I'd listened to a bunch of speeches this morning of fictional coaches. About half of them were from any given Sunday. Uh, Al Pacino, basically plays a combination of Bill Belichick, Don Shula, guy from Alabama. Gosh, I'm not remembering his name. Any famous coach, Bobby Bowden, any coach that you can think of that's a football coach and pretty much only a football coach. Nick Saban is a guy who I couldn't remember. And he has some of the best monologues. I mean, they're all framed as like speeches at halftime or speeches to somebody, but he's got the entire film is just Al Pacino just ripping off one good monologue after another. So if you are a sports fan, you've never seen any given Sunday, go see it. Also has a very underrated Jamie Foxx in a starring role. LL Cool J's in it too, right? LL Cool J's in it. Dennis Quaid plays like an older quarterback. The the movie has got a ton of people that you would recognize. And it's really well written. And it's mostly about the words. I mean, the football is passable and you know it looks good but it's more the word so if you are a sports fan check it out and if you are somebody that needs a monologue for acting class go check that out as well because, perfect right yeah i mean it, it you kind of get a little bit of both all right number three comes from one of my favorite movies of all time a league of their own coach jimmy dugan as played by tom hanks uh and often he is when people are talking about coaches they're like well for like the first half of the movie he lets Dottie run the team. And so he's not even really coaching, but what he serves for is not only a interesting character, but as a sort of metaphor for the entire society and how they reacted to the team. At first he wants nothing to do that with it. He's just there because he wants a paycheck. He doesn't care. He seems as silly. He doesn't understand why girls are playing baseball. And by the end, he's completely invested. And, you know, especially 
has built a trusting working relationship with Dottie Henson, the, the best player on the team. And it becomes a allegory for how people react to the team and the league throughout the movie. So uh, also Tom Hanks is pretty amazing. Number two on the A side, B side, or this is just the A side. I shouldn't say B side, just A side, because I didn't <laughs> consult with Brooke on this at all. No yeah, consultation. That's not my number two. <laughs> no, this is not Brooke's number two. This is my number two. It's not your number two. Sorry. Uh, is the one who is often claimed to be the most, the best fictional coach of all time. And that is Mr. Norman Dale, played by Gene Hackman from the movie Hoosiers. And Hoosiers is a great movie. It's considered maybe like the best high school basketball movie which i mean come on it's always in the top 10 of like sports movies um i think he's a great coach it's a great movie but just, there's something missing he's just a little there's a little humanity sometimes that that i feel like is lost uh also cannot watch anything with gene hackman and not think he's lex luthor so that's a <laughs> mental block like if lex luthor was the basketball coach for my kids high school team I'd be a little concerned mm -hmm. uh so uh, it's not fair to Gene Hackman because he does a great job but every time I see him first time I remember seeing him was as, as Lex Luthor so it's always going to be in my head uh, that he's Lex Luthor and he's just playing a role and number one on the A-side top fictional coaches of all time and this is totally biased because of where I live when I saw the movie, the actor who played this coach and how much I loved them from other things. It is Mr. Gordon Bombay from the ice hockey classic, The Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks! So The Mighty Ducks was filmed in Minnesota right after I moved to Minnesota about a sport that I had never heard of till I lived in Minnesota and starring Emilio Estevez, who was my favorite actor at the time, because of Young Guns. Mm -hmm. So this was really set up that there was going to be no way that I wouldn't absolutely love this movie because it helped me learn about my new state. Uh, it helped me connect with some of the hockey history here. And hockey is crazy here. One of the biggest debates right now is that high schools are not going to be able to play hockey currently. Mm -hmm. And there are people that are losing their mind. Yeah, because... hockey up north is what football is in the south in yeah. high school, just yeah, for comparison. Is... I mean, even, and even like grade school, like, I mean, there are kids that are playing in tournaments every weekend year round. Mm -hmm. It is huge up here. And for me, I had, I mean, I moved from Nebraska to Minnesota when I was seven. I still can't skate. So never played hockey myself other than a lot of hockey video games. NHL 94 being the greatest hockey video game of all kind. If anyone wants to debate that, just hit me up on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, it is the best. You can play with the whale. So Gordon Bombay, played by Milo Estevez, easily the best fictional coach of all time. He gets to play it in three movies. And even the third movie, which is kind of not starring him, is totally about how he's not the coach anymore. And that's the entire, like, the main plot point of that movie is, oh, the greatest coach, greatest fictional hockey coach, greatest fictional coach isn't our coach anymore. And how are we going to deal with that? So even in the movie that he's barely in, it's pretty much just about him. So those are my top five A-side fictional coaches of all time. And I highly recommend if you are looking for a light, happy, charming, 
bright spot in this otherwise gray rainy day of a season from a pandemic and world standpoint go check out ted lasso on apple plus movie tv i don't know what the name is apple tv plus just apple tv apple tv Mm -hmm. there you go uh it is totally (laughs) worth your time okay well let me ask you real fast where would you rank ben affleck's character jack cunningham from the way back in terms of fictional coaches i have not seen the way back so i will i will have to mark that one as incomplete i don't know i have a hard time with ben affleck sometimes he's actually that's a that was one of the last ones i saw before the pandemic hit and everything shut down and it's because that came out just last winter right no it came out in march yeah yeah so just last winter like that's not winter like well it is here I, I walked in the snow three days three days this week, so in my brain is still winter. Uh, so last March, but relatively recent. This past uh, March of this year. Yeah, so like nine <laughs> months ago. Recent. <laughs> to me, he's always the guy from Fashionable Mail, and that's hard to it's hard to forget. All right, so that's why I struggled with Bat with him as Batman too. I mean, he just wasn't a great Batman, but I no. mean, we'll leave that right there. But uh, so when you do watch it, you get back to us and you let us know what you think. I, I definitely will. All right. So is that the A side? That is the A side. All right. So this week on the B side for the big two zero, wanted to do something just unexpected. When you think serial killer, what do you typically think, Adam? Uh, scary, lonely white dude. Pretty much. Yeah. According to Psychology Today, as late as 1998, a highly regarded FBI profiler said, there are no such thing as female serial killers. There's no female serial killers. So here's the thing. There are female serial killers. And while their motives are typically quite different from their male counterparts, Sexual or sadistic motives are extremely rare among female serial killers. That's usually a male thing. Female Mm -hmm. killers are much more likely to kill for profit or revenge. Females tend to kill men who are emotionally and physically closest to them. Husbands, lovers, things like that. And they generally kill to improve their lifestyle. Peter Vronsky, the author of Female Serial Killers, How and Why Women Become Monsters, said female serial killers prefer to murder their male intimates or family members. Psychology Today says that according to FBI statistics, one out of six serial killers are women. That's about 15 to 16%, which means it's rare. Yeah. They're not non-existent, but they are pretty rare. The authors of Lethal Ladies, Amanda L. Farrell, Robert D. Keppel, and Victoria Titterington said that the Justice Department indicated 36 female serial killers have been active over the course of the last century. There's probably 36 male serial killers active right now in 2020. Maybe not because they're in the house, but... That's a a terrifying stat. (laughs) But it's, it's true, unfortunately. So one of these female serial killers is Nanny Doss, a.k.a. Giggling Granny, also known as the Lonely Hearts Killer. 
The oh. Jolly Black Widow, Lady Bluebeard, or Arsenic Annie. Jeez, that, that's a lot of nicknames. <laughs> I mean, we're going big for episode 20. Yeah. So Nancy Hazel was born November 4th, 1905, in what was Blue Mountain, Alabama, which now is uh, part of Anniston, I believe. So Nancy was one of five children, and she goes by Nan, Nanny. Nan's parents were Louisa Lou and James Hazel. Nanny and her mother, Lou, were not fans of her father, James. He was very controlling. He was nasty. James forced his children to work on the family farm. He wouldn't let them go to school. So as a result, Nanny performed very poorly in school. James also did not allow his daughters to wear makeup or attractive clothing because he believed in not doing so, it would prevent them from being molested. He also would not allow them to go to school dances. Here's the thing, it didn't prevent Nan from being molested. At seven years old, Nan was traveling to visit relatives and she was on the train. The train stopped suddenly and Nan hit her head on a metal bar on the seat in front of her. From then on, she suffered severe headaches, blackouts, and depression for years following that injury. Now, Adam, we've talked about this before, things to watch for in serial killers. We've talked about bedwetting late in life, torturing, killing family or neighborhood pets, mm. and head injuries. Right. So Nancy loved reading her mother's romance magazine called True Romance. And she dreamed, uh, she loved dreaming of her own real life romance. So Nancy married in 1921 at the age of 16. Her first husband was Charles Charlie Bragg, but some sources also state his name is George Frazier. She worked with Charlie at a linen factory. So she got approval from her father and they married after four months of dating. I know it's pretty quick. She yeah. really wanted out of that house. Charlie was the only son to a very attached single mom who Boy actually way. lived with Charlie and Nan. Yeah. She said, I married as my father wished in 1921 to a boy I only knew about four or five months who had no family, only a mother who was unwed and who had taken over my life completely when we arrived. She never seen anything wrong with what she done, but she would take spells. She would not let my own mother stay all night. So basically she ruled the roost is what she was saying. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been with a mama's boy, if you will, it's a tough road. So Charlie's mom dominated his time and attention. And she was really, really hard on Nan. Charlie and Nan had four daughters between 1923 and 1927. Sweet face Nan was an insatiable lover, apparently, and rumored to be extremely unfaithful, as was Charlie. Oh, man. Yeah, there was no innocent party here. Charlie described her as high-tempered and mean. He once was quoted as saying, when she got mad, I wouldn't eat anything she fixed or drink anything around the house. Oh, boy. 
So Nan stressed over her marriage, her kids, and her mother-in-law, and she began drinking and smoking in 1927. The the couples in 1927, the, the couple's two middle daughters died due to what was thought to be food poisoning. Charles took the oldest daughter, Melvina, and left town. Now, remember, they had four. The two middle died. He took the oldest, which meant he left the youngest daughter, Florine, behind in Nanny Doss's care. Shortly after Charlie left, his mom died. Now, Charlie left with the daughter. The mom was still with Nan and the other daughter. Charlie's mom. Charlie's mom. Oh, boy. So they were all living together. Mm-hmm. That's... <sighs> yeah. So now that she's husbandless, because he's left her, she goes to work again. She starts working at a cotton mill to support herself and her daughter. In 1928, Charlie brings back Melvina and attempts to divorce Nan. And she tells him, yeah, I'll give you the divorce but you have to leave Melvina with me. Charlie, who had met someone else, he was actually dating a divorcee who had her own child, was like, all right, cool, sure. So he agrees. So he leaves uh, Melvina with Nan. They get a divorce. Nan moves back home with her mom in Cedarton, Georgia. So Nan marries again. She met and married her second husband, Robert Franklin Harrelson in 1929. They live in Jacksonville with Melvina. A few months after their wedding, she realized that Robert was not the dream man that she thought him to be. Mm. So you got to remember, Nan loved reading romance novels. And so she she began reading True Romance. It was a magazine that her mom liked. She, she mm-hmm. started reading that again. And she wrote to men advertising in that magazine and a particular eye uh, a particular ad had caught her eye and it was robert franklin who went by frank so this is like tinder for the time yeah exactly tinder before tinder so instead of swiping left and right you're flipping pages right so technically you're still swiping left and right i guess (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's there's a lot of writing and postage and waiting on response time right I mean, now everyone would just assume we were ghosted because it takes three days to get a letter through the mail. <laughs> so when she saw this ad that Frank had put in this magazine, she, he sounded like a dream man to her. He was 23 years old, a factory worker from Jacksonville, and he sent her romantic poetry. She sent oh. him a cake. So then, of course, she's got this image in her mind when they meet and marry. Well, right. then she realizes okay, this is not the dream man that I thought he was going to be. Nan, they never are. Come on. Yeah. Figure that out early. (laughs) She actually discovered that Frank, as he went by, was an alcoholic with a criminal record. Oh, but, you know, poetry. Yeah, you know, roses are red, violets are blue. I drink shots. I got arrested. How about you? How about you? (laughs) <laughs> well, during during Nan's marriage to Frank, uh, her daughter Melvina actually gave birth to her first child. How old was Melvina? Melvina, it doesn't exactly say how old she was, but uh, you got to think this is the 20s. So she may have been 14, 15, wow. and that wouldn't have been a big deal. Yeah. Wow. 
Now, she was married. Uh, she gave birth to Robert Lee Haynes. Two years later, in 1945, Melvina gave birth to another child. So I said, I take that back. This wasn't in the 20s. Nan was born in the, in, Nan married in the 20s. Right. So she was born in the 20s. So uh, let's see if uh, Nan married in 21 and then they started having kids a few years later. So, you know, by this time she, by the time she had her second kid, she was probably 20. Yeah. Which was more normal for the time than it is today. Exactly. So while in the hospital visiting her daughter, Nan took over care of the baby from an exhausted Malvina. Mm -hmm. Adam, you've got two kids. I've got two kids. I remember those hospital days. You're exhausted. Yeah. So of course, Malvina is like, sure, mom, here, take my baby. Let me nap. Mm -hmm. Well, Malvina, still groggy from labor, swore she saw her mother stick a hat pin into her baby's head. Jeez. But again, she's tired. She's groggy. She's had a long labor. Maybe she's seeing things. Mm-hmm. So she asked her sister Florine and her husband Mosey about it, and they both said that Nan told him that the baby had died, but she wasn't holding a pin. They didn't see anything about her holding a pin. The doctors had no explanation for the death of this baby. Oh, God. So after this, Melvina and Mosey, they drifted apart. Melvina ends up in a really nasty fight with Nan. And so she goes to stay with her father. While she was away, her son, Robert, who was in Nan's custody, mysteriously dies on July 7th, 1945. So this is four children in Nan's So this is four children and yes, two of her own and now two of her grandchildren. Robert's cause of death was diagnosed as asphyxia from an unknown cause. So two months later, Nan receives $500 life insurance that she had taken out on Robert, which today would be about $7,230. In 1945, Florine, who was now married as well, had forgiven her mom because you see, a few years earlier when Nan married, she left Florine. She abandoned her. Florine, who was barely two at the time, neighbors said she was found all alone. Hmm. Neighbors were able to track down Charlie and he came for her and Nan didn't see her for nine years after that. Then Florine ended up living with Nan and Frank. So now Florine, secure in her relationship with her mom, left her infant son. Why? I don't know after seeing all this death, but she left her infant son in her mom's care while she went to visit her father, Charlie. Well, as we have seen a pattern, the poor baby died after three days with Nanny Doss. It was speculated that he, quote, got a hold of some rat poison. Got a hold. Got a hold, yeah. So three months later, after celebrating Japan's surrender to the Allied powers, Frank, who she's still married to at this time, Frank's excited. He's happy. He's celebrating. And he forces Nan to celebrate in a very wifely way. Mm -hmm. wink wink well the following day while tending to her rose garden nanny found frank's corn whiskey jar that he had buried well she was sick and tired of frank and his drinking and his ways his forceful ways if you will and um 
she laced Frank's whiskey with rat poison. Frank drinks this rat poison laced whiskey. He falls ill and dies. Nanny told the coroner that Frank was, quote, an awful drunkard. The coroner ruled the death to be natural and put acute alcoholism as the cure. Frank saw it coming, though. At his grandson's funeral, he said, I'll be next. Well, Nanny, in fact, received life insurance and used that money to buy 10 acres of land and build a small house for herself outside of Jacksonville. Nanny meets her third husband, Arlie Lanning. Of course, as with Frank, she meets Arlie through personals. It was a Lonely Hearts column that he was reading while traveling in Lexington, North Carolina. They were married within three days. Three days? Three days. Were they in Vegas? <laughs> go big or go home, bro. Evidently. <laughs> Nanny doesn't mess around. Nanny does not play. When she sees something she wants, she is going to get it. So similar to her second husband, Frank, Arlie, oh, poor Arlie, was an alcoholic. And like Charlie, he was a womanizer. So she knows how to pick him. Oh, yeah. Unlike her first husband, Charlie, Charlie would just disappear for days on end. This time, it was Nanny who would vanish for days, sometimes months. Jeez. She played the role of the doting housewife when she was home, but then husband number three suddenly dies of what was suspected to be heart failure in 1952. Soon after Arlie's death, the couple's house that had been willed to Arlie's sister mysteriously burns to the ground. Well, even though he left the house to his sister, Nan got the insurance money. Hmm. She takes that money, she stashes it away. She's got like a whole insurance thing going on. Well, remember, female serial killers, they kill for the, their betterment. You mm -hmm. know, they kill for money or life improvement. And she feels like she's improving, I guess. Yeah. So shortly after Nan's insurance windfall, Arlie's sister passes away in her sleep. Apparently, she had eaten Nanny's famous stewed prunes. Another thing about female serial killers, a lot of times they tend to use poison, as we have seen already with nan yeah a lot of poison and a hat pin and a hat pin yes yeah just to spice things up so nanny eventually ended up at her sister dovey's house dovey was bedridden and died soon after nanny arrived mysteriously her other sister died as well both women suffered from stomach cramps and convulsions you know fought they fell ill had stomach mm -hmm. cramps convulsions and died the theory is with Dovey, Nan thought she was doing her a favor, putting her out of her misery. Oh, how sweet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She was caring. She was loving, you know. She was a nanny. A nanny. Yeah, yeah, a nanny. She had style. She had grace. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's why they call her the nanny. Um, <laughs> nanny next married Richard L. Morton of Jamestown, North Carolina. So this is husband number four. Mm-hmm. They married in 1952 in Emporia, Kansas. And you're thinking 1952, didn't Arlie just pass? Yeah, Arlie had just died. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
she wasted she, no like, time. Yeah, she doesn't doesn't mess around. Just gotta no. find the next one. She ain't got time to play. She's got insurance money to collect. Come on. So Richard was an alcoholic, but he wasn't an alcoholic, excuse me, but he did love the women. Okay. Mm. While she's married to Richard, Nanny's mom falls ill. Her mom suffered a broken hip. So she came to stay with Nan and Richard. And then she dies mysteriously. But I bet she had a life insurance policy. (laughs) Three months before Richard himself died. He died in May of 1953. So her mom comes to stay with them. She's there for a little bit. She dies. Three months later, Richard dies. Nanny collected on five different policies on Richard worth $1,400 back then, which now would be about (sighs) $13,750. Let's fast forward to June of 1954. At least she waited a little while. She had to take a break. She had to take a breather. Nanny married. That was probably just doing the paperwork for five different life insurance. Yes, seriously. She was waiting on all those checks. It takes like two, two years to get that done. There was no direct deposit in 1953. No. <laughs> also, there, there's no actuary who's looking and going, hmm, what are the risks that someone she's connected to is going to die? Right. So in June of 1954, Nan marries again. And if you're keeping count, yes, this is number five. This time, she marries a Nazarene pastor, 58-year-old Samuel Doss, Nanny Doss, Nanny of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Samuel was a widower, a widower who had lost his family to a tornado in Madison County, Arkansas. So Samuel was quite the strict preacher. He did not drink. He didn't womanize. Good Wait, things, two, right? Yeah, two improvements over the first four. But he did not approve of the romance novels that Nanny loved so much. You Uh-oh. do not separate a woman from her romance novels. Yeah. Sorry, Pastor. That's not going to go over well. Mm-mm. She also said that he wouldn't allow her to have a radio or a TV, and he made her go to bed at dark. Woof. Like here, that would be like 4.30. Now, if we know anything about Nan, we've learned she's a very strong personality, and I don't think mm-hmm. you're going to make her do much for long, mm-hmm. which, unfortunately, he learned the hard way. So in September, Samuel was admitted to the hospital with flu-like symptoms. The hospital diagnosed a severe tract infection. He was treated and he was released on October 5th. He died the next day. Nanny killed him by feeding him stewed prunes. And she did it really fast because, well, she had some insurance policies to collect. No joke. Seriously. Uh, She had taken out two different policies on him. The sudden death, though, made doctors a little suspicious because they sent him home. They're like, all right, you got this tract infection. Here, you're treated. You're fine. And then he goes home and then he dies. So doctors Mm -hmm. are like, wait, hold up. That doesn't make sense. So this is the very first time doctors get suspicious and they actually order an autopsy. The autopsy revealed massive amounts of arsenic in his system. Enough not to kill just one man, but 20. Man. She doesn't. She don't play around. Yeah. She made sure she got the job. D-O-N-E. Okay. Also, where is she getting all this arsenic? I mean, think about it. It's, it's, you can go to the hardware store and get arsenic. It's rat poison. 
Well, let me just uh, let me shock you here. I don't spend a lot of time in hardware stores. <laughs> no, I know. I am not what you would call a handy individual. <laughs> so that is a. I, I wouldn't even know how to go about finding rack corn. <laughs> I'm sure Amazon. Although do you, you look yeah, up too much rat poison on Amazon, I'm sure you could. I'm sure you you can get anything on Amazon or Walmart.com. I mean, if you're just using it as like rat poison for your yeah. garden or something. Yeah, you know, like as you do. Like, think of, like with me, like I also am not shockingly super good with the creepy crawlies. So I, I don't know that I would kill the rats. I just might move. And I looked and you 100% can buy rat poison on Amazon. There are several different brands, actually. Oh, of course. Even I'm ratings. Sure. Yeah, I've got ratings. Yeah. Probably get stuff on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Same day delivery by 4 p.m. <laughs> right. Have the drone drop but, it off can, for you. Can you imagine how many people Nanny Doss would have killed if she had Amazon Prime? Oh, it would be ugly. Yeah. It would be ugly. Oof. There'd just be bodies everywhere. You'd be like, oh, Nanny Doss. Mm. Danny, you got some more rat poison? Oh, who you mad at this time? Mm -hmm. How many rats you got in that house? Right. Why are you still living there with all these rats? You should just move. So, okay. So Nanny was arrested uh, and confronted with the evidence. Now, let me backtrack. Nanny killed Samuel by feeding him stewed prunes. Some Mm. accounts actually say she put arsenic in his coffee and that that was the final death blow. Either way, she was poisoning him. Yeah. She initially like, denied. Arsenic was going somewhere. Yeah, it was going through his system. So she initially denied everything. She even said, I don't even know a Richard Morton. You know, her husband, number four. <laughs> I've never heard of that guy. I- I've never met that man in my life. Who? Yeah. Well, she says after they confront her with evidence that they were, in fact, married. So she did know him. She says, well, I guess I wasn't telling the truth. And then she confessed <laughs> with a giggle. I was married to him. Hence, giggling granny. She had the tendency to giggle at really bad times, just terrible times. She'd just giggle. So she That's was- conf- That sounds like a psychopath. Um, yeah, pretty much. Or mm-hmm. a sociopath. I'm not sure which one. They're both scary. How about both? We'll just chalk it up as both. <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> So Nanny, confronted with all of the evidence, confessed to killing four husbands, her mother, two sisters, her grandson, and her mother-in-law. Now, missing from that count... It's like four kids. Two children and a grandchild that she has not confessed to. And, I believe, like a sister-in-law. Yeah. The state of Oklahoma focused only on the death of Samuel Doss. Nanny was prosecuted by J. Howard Edmondson, who later became the governor of Oklahoma. Wow. She, she pled guilty on May 17th of 1955 and was sentenced to life. The state did not pursue the death penalty because it's kind of sexist, really, because she was a woman. I mean, as far as sexism go, I guess that's like a benefit, kind of. I mean, I guess, but if she's able to kill like a man, she can die like a man? I mean, I don't know. I, no, I'm with you. Just trying to look for a silver lining here because <laughs> is granny that, killing people. Is that wrong to say if she can kill like a man, she can die like a man? Is that insensitive? I, I don't know if it's insensitive. I, I mean, it's, it sounds like we're in a Western. I, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, I like it. Nanny Doss could be 
her cowboy western name. Yeah, absolutely. Nanny like, Doss, giggling, like the, gi- giggling Granny would be a great cowgirl name for her. Yeah. And, and like, instead of like high noon, it's like two in the afternoon. It's with high noon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was terrible. Sorry. Okay. It, it is it is pie season. It, it, is, it is. Thanksgiving. And she actually did make pies. We'll get to that here in just a second. Okay. So Nanny was sentenced to life in prison and she didn't get the death penalty because she was a woman. Nanny was never charged with any of the other murders. She actually died in prison in the hospital ward of the Oklahoma Penitentiary in 1965 from leukemia. Arsenic has been proven to cause cancer, but there is no proof that that is what caused her cancer. Although you handle enough rat poison. Yeah, I mean, and we and we have established that this lady spent a lot of time around rat poison and would use it generously mm-hmm. in her actions. Yes. Like enough to kill 20 men when you only, you know, when you're killing one. So we know Nanny Doss was married five times and it looks as if she was actually looking for husband number six and her arrest probably saved the life of 60-year-old John Keel, a milkman from Goldsboro, North Carolina, that had actually been exchanging letters with Nanny over a period of time. They never actually met in person. And I'm sure John is probably grateful for that. He told authorities. If he even had any idea. Well, he did. He told authorities, I'm thrilled with these women who make their matches by mail. (laughs) <laughs> I guess he's just going to go to the grocery store and do it the old school way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that except we can't even do that during pandemic because you got to be like 10 feet away at least. Yeah. A guy named Joseph Geringer wrote a book called Nanny Doss. Lonely Hearts Lady Loved Her Men to Death. And in it, he includes her apple and prune pie recipe. The ingredients, one cup of water. Okay, wait. One- Does that not sound horrible? Yes, absolutely. Apple and prune. Like you'll notice you go to the grocery store, they'll be like apple, cranberry, like strawberry, banana. Like they've never ever seen apple prune as a flavor combo. First of all, I don't like cooked fruit. So apple pie, prune pie, any cooked fruit pie sounds disgusting to me, but you add prune to the mix and yeah, that's gross. Stewed prunes? Really? That sounds like a granny dish. That's mm-hmm. totally something your grandmother would make for you. Stewed prunes. Stewed prunes. Like, well, I, I just like want to you... make sure you're regular. Get you some stewed prunes. You're going to be real regular after that. <laughs> yeah, regularly dead after you eat her prunes. That's true. <laughs> okay, so her, her recipe for apple and prune pie is one cup of water, one cup of flour, half a cup of butter, three eggs. Seems normal, right? Yeah, for All now. Right. For now. Pinch of sugar, four sliced apples, one cup dried prunes, dash of granulated sugar, five tablespoons of rat poison. Again, maybe overkill, literally. Five tablespoons. Like you couldn't just sprinkle it on the top? No, like you don't, mix you don't it with some miss. sugar and sprinkle it on the top? See that? But that, one of the husbands like went to the doctor and they said like he had an infection. She probably didn't use enough. And she's like, well, <sighs> Not going to make that mistake twice. (laughs) I'm going to fix this for the next one. (laughs) 
She also notes when making the pie, it's best to soak the prunes overnight in rat poison. She says generic hardware store variety will do quite well. Yeah. She, she says don't have that, to get the fancy stuff. You don't need none of that top shelf decon stuff. Get yeah. that regular rat poison. None of this bougie rat poison. <laughs> Tomcat, you don't need that. Just get Just buy in bulk. Get the big bag. Go to Costco. <laughs> so she says the juices from the apples and the prunes <laughs> should be poured over the prunes in the ra- in the pie shell to add flavor and conceal the taste of the poison. Like that many prunes, we can't, you can't taste anything. That many prunes, I wouldn't be eating it. No. I'm not eating it anyway because, like I said, I don't like cooked fruit. But why add prunes to the apple pie? Like, ew. It had to be to cover the the poison taste. Ugh. The apple wasn't enough. They were like, mm, "This pie has has hints of apple, a little bit of prune, and is that death? Do I taste death? <laughs> Here, try this. Does this taste like death to you?" <laughs> oh, oh but i mean there. the thing is like uh-huh. brooke you know that there's going to be somebody who listens to this podcast on friday who had a weird pie at their grandmother's house who is going to be real uncomfortable if you have an apple prune pie not even with poison because i hope it doesn't is it good i don't th- i don't know i don't believe that there's anyone not dead that has had an apple prune pie there's a surprising amount, I, and I just I just used the Google on the on the internet machine, and there's a surprising amount of apple prune recipes. Seriously? Yeah, like this is. Is Martha Stewart making apple prune pie? You got one from Good Housekeeping, one called Eat the Love. Sounds like a cannibal site. What's the Epic- southern one? Southern Southern Home. Hospitality. Is it, is it Southern Hospitality? If it's Southern not in living. There, Southern, Southern living. living. If Paula Dean doesn't have an apple prune pie or if Martha Stewart doesn't have one, it's it don't make it. Doesn't exist. It's irrelevant. Oh, that's just old fashioned apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> but there it. you go. That's I mean, the, the story of giggling granny, Nanny Doss. I'm not seeing anything from Southern Living that is apple prune pie. So there you go. That means good, you shouldn't, that is a, you shouldn't a, make a good it. Side. Real quick before we go, because that is the B-side. A couple more cities, Smyrna, Georgia. Thank you. Texas. We've got uh, Mesquite and Cibolo. I hope one I of those that. is one of my favorite barbecue sauces. I'm going to guess it's Cibolo. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> I believe reminds me of Sebula from Star Trek, the Phantom Menace. Oh, goodness. Uh, New Bern, North Carolina. Also Buzzards Bay and Worcester, Massachusetts. Woo, woo. Where's Buzzards Bay? It is on the South Shore, if I remember correctly. I I believe we went to a brewery there back in 2003. Okay. I'm pretty sure because I I just realized I still have the pint glass when I moved. I was like, wow, pint glass has been around for some stuff. Hmm. I have also been very, very bad about saying hey to the folks in Bowling Green here and uh, Smith's Grove, Glasgow. Thank you for listening it's awesome you guys are the bestest and uh of course again you can check out our puzzles our ornaments our stockings our mugs on our website asidebsidepodcast.square.com there's also a way to support the show because all profits from that go towards production and promotion and uh if you like us 
We'd love it if you drop us a like, a review on Apple. I mean, I'm not going to say five stars, but if you feel in your heart five stars, I would not be one to stop you from doing what's in your heart. Yeah, we don't we don't stop that. We don't we don't use any weird pies or anything. <laughs> Aren't you ready for Thanksgiving now with that apple prune pie recipe? I hope nobody uses this recipe over Thanksgiving. I mean, there's got to be there's there's definitely in the wealth of humanity. There's somebody out there that loves apple prune pie without the poison that wants other people to give it a try. But I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, Mm -mm. I'll stick to my chocolate chip pie, gluten-free, of course. That's my excuse. If someone comes at me with an apple prune pie, I'm gluten-free. I'm sorry. I can't. Yeah. I, uh, I just go back for more meat and sweet potatoes. (laughs) My, my big dinner plans for tomorrow. I have a ham that I am making Mm -hmm. and I am going to make green bean casserole. Nice. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. I think, um, I am not able to see one of mine just due to circumstances and uh, just safety. Uh, so the the youngest and I, I think we are going to do non-traditional, do some Chinese food. Nice. Whatever you're doing or will have done or continue to do into the weekend by the time that this podcast comes out, I just hope it's safe. I hope you have lots of love and we love you. And know that we thank you and we appreciate you. We give you our thanks for joining us on this journey because we absolutely love it and hope you love it. And we are having such a good time with it. And just be safe, social distance, wear your mask. And And if you are in the situation where you have taken a stand about not going to a big event and you feel guilty and people are guilting you, uh, just know that two random people on a podcast are really proud of you. Very proud of you. So proud proud of you. you. And that that may not be enough to make you stop feeling uncomfortable with the whole family pressure thing, but the fact you didn't cave, you're one of the good ones. And you would never bring an apple prune pie to any sort of event. (laughs) Unless they keep pressuring you. (laughs) Sorry. That was an evil laugh. That was that was a disturbing laugh. That was like a Disney villain laugh. Like I'm looking, I'm looking around, looking for woodland creatures that are scared, looking at me like, dude, you gotta go. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that is episode 20, Adam. I am very, very proud that we made it to 20. Uh, all those people that said we weren't going to be able to make it, mostly me. Uh, take that. <laughs> take that, Adam. Take that past, Adam, and your, <laughs> your cavalcade of poor decisions. <laughs> Real fast, can I say, oh, Adam, I forgot to tell you this. So, you know, we have joked repeatedly on the podcast that uh, mom, who loves to give me the stories, is executive producer. So her birthday oh, was Monday. Absolutely. And for her birthday, I gave her one of our sweatshirts that says, proud mom, executive producer. She Aww. says she loves it. I hope she's telling the truth. I mean, she, she was never not going to say she loved it. That's true. The real, the real question is, does she wear it when you're not around? We'll see. Is um, we're in different states. I'm hoping she does, but you know, like they say on Facebook, picks or it didn't happen. It's fair. <laughs> yeah. That that statement will get you into some trouble. <laughs> 
careful what you wish for. Oh man. Uh, also, last thing, I have to say a big, huge shout out to my friend Arlene. I'm not going to give her last name, but Arlene has been our biggest supporter, besides like our parents, of course, um, since day one. And uh, love you, girl. Thank you so much. And I guess that's another episode of A Side B Side podcast. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Brooke. This is Kevin Armstrong, your host for Movie Battle. Each episode, we take two films and put a super fan of each against one another to decide which one is best. The only rule we have is that you come correct. If you're interested in being a guest on Movie Battle, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Before we wrap it up, just want to say again, thank you for coming along with us on this incredible journey because each week we both look forward to it and it's just been so much fun for us and you can check out our website it's a side b side podcast dot square dot site brand new site it's been up less than a month uh, new merch holiday stuff coming up this by the time this podcast is out also because my mom wanted something a little less murdery we got a different sweatshirt that's going to be out there plus some holiday stuff again adam something as soon as you see it, you'll know it's for you. Yay. <laughs> also, I, lo- I love that your mom requested something a little less murdery. <laughs> right. Not completely not murdery, but just like less murder. A little less blood, you know, so I don't feel bad wearing it. Not completely not murdery, just not bloody. Yeah, just less murdery. Like, <laughs> like you know. We, we didn't plan this murder. It's more of a pa- crime of passion. It's like, can we, can we go from felony murder to manslaughter? <laughs> we would love it 100% if you would follow us on Facebook, like our Instagram, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, give us a rating, give us a, you know, um, a review. We would love it. And thank you so much. And-, and I think one of the coolest things about this week is that the b-side was prompted by people's responses i know it was so much fun to put that out there and get the feedback so uh we'll do that again soon of course since i put three out there i've, I've got the next lineup for the next week you know next yeah. week we'll have the uh, socialite slayer but man thank you so much it's so cool like i got so excited when everybody was like responding and i got dms i got replies i got text messages it was so much fun so thank you yeah. So keep that coming. Like if you have a story or I know like true crime is, is definitely gets more responses, but like, if you have a movie that you were like, Hey Adam, do you remember this movie? Or like, Hey, what about this TV show? Like wings was great. Why don't you talk about that ever dude? And I'd be like, you're right. I should talk about wings more. I did like uh, wings. So- Wings is great. It really is good. We could do an entire episode of Wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have a true crime story or something about media that you want to you want to hear us talk about, um, it makes it that much more exciting when there's that little bit of connection. So don't hesitate to send us your ideas, uh, your complaints, your your comments. Um, I mean, if you want to compose a song, we're not going to say no. Not at all. All right. You can email us to a side B side podcasts with an S at gmail.com. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. Thank you, Brooke.